Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Simon Dudley, Chief Contrarian for Accession Events. To learn more and for information about the book and other resources, please go to accessionevents.com. Hello, everyone. This is Simon Dudley. This is the Accession Events podcast. Today, we have Fred Zimmerman from Page Kicker, a well, I'll get Fred to describe what it is, but a remarkable new idea around publishing of books in a very different way to the way that I published my book, which was to use an outside firm to help me actually go through the pro- the, the publishing part. You're down, or down at the nitty-gritty of writing the book, which is kind of really interesting, Fred. So firstly, welcome to the show. Thanks for getting involved. Thanks. And um, so page kicker. I've been looking at this, and you got in touch with me probably the thick end of a year ago, so maybe some point in mid-2015, and you wrote me an email and said, I've got an algorithm called Fred73, I seem to remember at the time, who will write you a book on any topic. Type in a few words, and it will write you a book. And I thought, who is this guy? So I did, and he wrote me a book in about a minute and a half, which was both amazing and somewhat terrifying I just spent nine months writing a 55,000-word book, and you, or Fred, 73, wrote a book in, I think, about 90 seconds, and you you said to me at the time, it was a little slow, so apologies for that, and it was about 10,000 words on the future of jobs, and I sat there and went, wow, and I'm scared, and anyway, over to you, Fred, I've said too much. It's interesting. Tell me about the project and what you've done so far. Well, PageKicker is a, now an open source uh, algorithmic solution for producing books. Um, it is a, uh, you know, it's an end-to-end solution for creating uh, books rapidly. Uh, it's not perfect, and, you know, Simon, I would be the first to tell you that your book is a lot better than mine. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, the robots do it uh, pretty quickly, uh, and they do it in a way that uh, has a lot of inbuilt advantages. Um, Let me set a little background by explaining to you where the project came from. Sure, that'd be great. Um, I have uh, had a a naval history publishing company for about 15 years uh, called Nibble Books. Uh, I published a lot of books, not just naval history, but also uh, popular culture books. history, uh, politics, things like that. And as I had the business, which was a side business at the time, I wanted to grow it uh, and I wanted to uh, be able to make a living out of it. And I realized, well, the only way I can do this uh, is if I remove myself as the bottleneck uh, because I can't edit enough books in a year uh, of the type that I like and have access to the authors on. and make it, make enough money. Um, I could try hiring editors, but I don't really want to hire editors and manage them. That's just moving the problem from something I like doing, editing, to <laughs> something I don't particularly want to do, which is manage editors. <clears throat> so I asked myself, is there a way that I can uh, make this uh, happen uh, completely algorithmically? And I had a couple of experiences in my life that made me think that way. One was I worked as a product manager for LexisNexis, uh, the database news company, uh, back when they were first moving to the web uh, in the 19, late 1990s. Uh, I wrote the first web client to, well, I didn't write, I was a product manager who did the requirements for the first web version of LexisNexis, along with a friend named uh, Jordan Udall, 
who I was uh, hitched at the hip with, <coughs> and a great guy. Uh, couldn't uh, talk about Lexus Nexus, but talking about Jordan. Okay. Um, <coughs> anyway, um, we uh, while I was at Lexus Nexus, I learned a couple really important lessons, and one of them was, you know, if you if you're doing something once, do it really well. If you're doing something two or more times, uh, ask yourself if you can do it in times. <coughs> you know, don't do two or six or seven or eight. Ask yourself, how can I make this, uh, you know, scalable completely? Uh, and I sort of started thinking about how to do this with books. Uh, and, you know, I don't recall exactly where I had the initial uh, inspiration, but I realized I think I can do this uh, programmatically from end to end. Uh, and so I started uh, working out a flow for how to accomplish this, starting at the beginning of the book development process, which is, uh, you know, the idea, the, the topic, uh, the author, and, uh, the ideation, and rolling all the way through uh, you know, creating the content, assembling the content, designing the layout of the book, designing a cover, uh, marketing, putting it into distribution. Uh, and at this time, I had never written a program more than 10 lines long. So no, uh, no stress then. You decided to go and revolutionize book writing by producing a piece of software, and you've never written code before. That's right. Significant <laughs> ambition, I would say, Fred. Well, you know, it took a lot of doggedness. Uh, but, you know, the, I've been around computers my whole life, and I never really switched to being a, you know, a programmer for all that time because... In all honesty, I didn't quite have the stick to this to get through the first uh, you know, learning curve. And this time I was really determined. Uh, and so I just set myself to, you know, one goal after another. Um, you know, for, the first thing I did was I figured out uh, how can uh, the, I have the book, uh, you know, the robot that's going to write the book, go out and get a little bit of content. And I figured that out. And then I figured out, okay, well, now that I've got it, how can I analyze it? How can I, you know, and I saw each solve problem I solved one at a time. And, you know, eventually I was able to press a button, give the book some, give the robot some topics, uh, see it go through its paces and bring the content in, assemble it, uh, to format it into ebook. Uh, and then uh, really, the really hard part was getting it so it would then go into an uh, online store uh, and be available in print, uh, you know, automatically uh, and I don't know maybe it took me a year to get the, get that point but when I pressed that button uh, and saw it all happen it was very thrilling now we, we should probably go through let me tell the audience what happened when I tried this when you contacted me you know whatever that was last summer I think it was um, and you said to me I've got this thing and you should try it and I did and it asked me to put into a, a, a box on a, this is on a web browser, just for, so the audience has a sense of what this looks like. And you asked me to, or your algorithm asked me to type in a bunch of words, five, six phrases, which it would then go off and investigate. And then it would concatenate as much information as it found into some format. Now, you said yourself, right? If you do something once, then do it once. If it if you could do it twice, then it's do it n times and automate the process. Huge fan of that personally. Uh, someone once said to me, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Everything once." I, I never want to do things more than once. So I love the concept of it. 
Now, when it came back with the data, it wasn't, and I, I hope you're not going to take exception to this, it was not war and peace. It was not, um, you know, it was not a book in the sense of, there was not a narrative to it, right? But there was a bunch of data. And what I found particularly useful, and this is nine months old, so I'm assuming that things have changed dramatically since, it was very useful as something to, dare I say, print out, because that's easier to kind of mull over while set in front of the TV or listen to the radio or whatever. And I mulled it over and it gave me a whole bunch of leads to then go off and write other materials around in my own voice. Um, I'm sort of interested, is that how you perceive this to be? Or did you want to truly replace the author? And to that angle, how much has it moved on in the last nine months or so since I saw that pretty early version? Well, um, you know, authors, uh, plug your ears. Um, yes, uh, I do want to replace authors. Uh, That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm sure. uh, I don't want. I don't see. I don't see this as, frankly, as ever uh, truly uh, replacing authors. But I see this as a sort of tool that will gradually force people to move up the value chain and do more and more sophisticated and. Uh, you know, high value things as part of authoring. Uh, I don't think that, you know, there, it's going to be a long time before a machine learning, artificial intelligence robot can write a book that is as good as having a smart person spend six to 12 months thinking very analytically and very creatively uh, to come up with a, you know, new ideas and a narrative. Uh, the, what I have built so far is it's a proof of concept, and the fact that I'm a you know self-taught programmer should you know tell everyone that uh, it's not going to be you know uh, the technology is placeholders where really super smart people can come in and add value. Uh, but but and, I would but I would argue, Fred, that that actually it's better you know after you've just ripped me apart for I'm going to replace authors. I will also now defend you and say it's better than. It's better than you made it sound. I mean, I sat there and when there's a, t I, I, the first book I wrote, by the way, just for the audience's uh, edification, was a book, the future of work, the future of jobs, right? Because that was something I'd just written a book about. So I, if not a world, well, I don't know, it depends on your definition of world class expert. I knew two words more than anyone else that made me an expert. And Page Kicker, wasn't as good as my book, I'd like to imagine. It didn't read as well. But there was a lot of information in there that would have been ever so useful as backgrounder for me to then go and do other stuff with. And I'm thinking from a business report point of view, for example, if I'm a company that's looking to get into a, a market um, or I'm looking to understand something more about a technology, I could use that technology to create a book on the fly, which, and that was something also that was remarkable at the time. You said, well, well you don't store the book. You simply rewrite the book whenever you want another copy, which is a staggering idea to someone who actually writes kind of quotes, and I'm using air parentheses here for the podcast, real books. This sense that, well, of course, as the data changes, so does the flow of the book, which was, of course, a... That is an accession event in itself, the idea that the book automatically updates. So 
so going back to where we or, or going in a different direction, right? Without tell, talking us through all the lines of code, how do you do this? Do you use search engine technologies like Google or Bing or stuff, or do you uh, have your own way of finding the data? And I'm particularly interested to know how you do it with like your key phrases that I typed in initially. Are they all discrete, or do you try and merge them together? How do you? I mean, how does it pick? Well, um, the overall architecture of the system is that there is a, uh, a pipeline that goes through and performs uh, tasks in sequence. Uh, then the pipe, that's a pipeline of Bash and Python scripts uh, that then hands off a file, a metadata file, to a, a bookstore. In this case, I happen to use Magento, which is a very popular e-commerce solution. Uh, it could be anything else. Um, uh, any other system, any other, you know, that doesn't have to be a store. It could be some other, it could be a library. Uh, it could be, you know, anybody else that can ingest metadata. <clears throat> and uh, the, the details of the pipeline, uh, you know, it starts with the web form uh, that accepts the parameters or specifications of the book that you, you provide. Um, it doesn't have to be the web form. It can be, and when I'm usually working on it, you know, by myself at the back end, it's usually just a data file. Uh, so it's agnostic as the, one thing that's really important is that the robots are agnostic as where to where the idea comes from. Um, the, it can be from a it can be from uh, marketing data from a uh, you know series of, of websites along a customer's quote unquote purchase journey. But <clears throat> um, mm. we can gather information and uh, assimilate. Uh, you know, we can see that a customer is of a website is going along looking at uh, things about Samsung virtual reality goggles. <clears throat> and we can see, oh, this person's from Korea. They have really fast internet probably. <clears throat> they uh, are fluent English speaker. They're male, they're 45 years old. So we'll produce something that, uh, you know, a book about of concepts about virtual reality goggles that are relevant to, um, uh, so a person of that character, those characters. Plus, oh, by the way, we'll toss in an ad for Samsung at the end. Uh, that's one of many applications. Uh, it, and one of the reasons why I've gone to taking the route of uh, making the software available open source is that every time I talk to someone, they have a different application for this. <laughs> yes. So, so since we since we spoke, first spoke, and in fact, I thought it was a good reason to get you on the uh, get you on the podcast now was because you've been saying for a little while that you had some big announcements to make and you have gone open source. So open source means different things to different people. So you better define for us what open source means for you and how our audience, if they're interested, could get involved. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I really, I should have said this earlier because I want everybody to hear it, uh, which is, uh, you know, the, the source code is available on GitHub. Uh, it's under, uh, if you do a search on page kicker, you'll find it there. Um, it's, Pretty much all the source code that I've developed so far, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of script. There's 23,000 uh, lines of code. Uh, you know, it's a lot for one person, I guess. Uh, if it was shorter, if it was less, it would be better. Uh, you know, it's one thing about programming. Sure. Yes. Uh, and uh, don't I won't I, I'm going to remember to answer your question about exactly what the robots do because I went on a little bit of a di digression there. Um, but what open source means to me is that the software is available. 
want to see the community to uh, improve it, to find new applications, to build them. Uh, you can take the software, run it on your own desktop. You can run it on a server. You can do anything you want with it. Um, there's going to be an enterprise version of PageKicker that is uh, hardened for inter enterprise requirements. You know, if you want to build a billion books, we can help you. If you want to build a million books, we can help you. If you want to add some sort of sophisticated feature that is required for enterprise operation, like you know, we have a turnkey e-commerce solution that you, we can hand over to you, all that sort of stuff. It's sort of the model that uh, WordPress or uh, Docker uh, or any number of other you know, you know, Linux Red Hat to date myself a little bit. <coughs> um, any, any of those uh, companies, uh, you know, rely on to have a viable business around a thriving technology. So, so you better talk now about um, how you want your audience to get involved. I mean, I know that's the whole point. Ultimately, with a with an open source, it's like I don't know. You work it out, right? I mean, that's. And hopefully a thousand flowers will bloom as a result. But have you had any initial thoughts or has anyone rushed in and said, oh, yes, we can do this with it? And if so, do you want to share them? Yeah, sure. I mean, the easiest way to get involved is to go to the GitHub repository, search for PageKicker. Uh, you'll see that you can fork the software and start building your own version. I had uh, someone do that uh, the other day that was thrilling. That was my first fork. Um, Let's let's keep it clean here. Um, but, uh, that was uh, you know that was thrilling. I had a, uh, one of my best friends from college came along and said, "Oh, I've been looking for an open source project to let me get involved in this." And it just so happens that he is a his job is being a quality assurance manager and teacher of quality assurance methods for creating software. So that was very fortuitous. Uh, I'm very happy about that. And that's you know. That's, What's happening is what I wanted to have happen. Um, if, go to the uh, uh, go to the GitHub repository. It'll have there's instructions there on how to get started. You can uh, go to the PageKicker web, website www.pagekicker.com. You can try it out. Try out the web front end, and you'll see what it does. Uh, you'll get you know, get rapid feedback that way. You can download the software uh, and start making modifications. There are there's a short issues list. I have a much longer issues list uh, that is uh, available offline. The short, the current issues list uh, has some easy things to do that you could do very easily as a test. You know, there's a few, there's some modifications that need need to be made to some of the Bash and Python scripts, or to fix known problems, or to, to or to improve the portability. Uh, then there, are, there's, and this is a good segue back into the pipeline. Then there's any number of places where you can, you know, have at it and do something brilliant. <clears throat> um, you can make your own accession event. Uh, that's part of the great thing about uh, open source and about this system is I'm expecting that there will be accession events uh, that I haven't anticipated at all. That people will think of great applications or great improvements that uh, you know take PageKicker to a new level beyond that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one. Um, as you're speaking, my brain has been frothing i think is the word about what i would do with it you see one of the next books i want to write is a history of a year particularly year probably 1851 and 1851 was a particularly interesting 
year in the sense that there was a whole bunch of different things that happened. The Great Exhibition at the Crystal Palace in London and a whole plethora of things kicked off that year that kind of shaped what the modern world looks like from stuff going on in India to, of course, the beginning of the American um, Civil War. It kicked off 10 years later, but the seeds were being sown 10 years earlier. Now, the ability of Page Kicker to go off and find me all the relevant stuff that happened in that and use that as a research tool. I, you see, I think that Page Kicker, for, from an author's point of view, could be a wonderful set of notes to go away and then build something with a more coherent narrative, for example. Uh, another example, and I'm giving this because of just thinking of it off the top of my head and hopefully the audience will get something out of it, is most manufacturers or, or many suppliers these days want to educate their audiences on the the topic, that whatever it is that they're selling, whether it doesn't matter what it is. They want to be the authority. Well, the problem with that is keeping up to date as the authority on a topic and making certain that you get your points across and you help shape the narrative is ever so important. And the moment you come out with it, it's ever so out of date. So why not use Page Kicker as an example, as a way of publishing materials for a client, which allow them to understand a market and how it's evolving, and it's instantly up to date and no one internally has to write it. That's something that Page Kicker can do. And your mind seems to naturally gravitate towards things that Pagecare is good at, which is very helpful to me. Uh, and because sometimes it's not so good, you know, some people, someone came along the other day and asked it to write a book about the erotic lives of accountants. And of course it failed miserably. <laughs> but I assume there was nothing to say was there. <laughs> That's right. Accountants, cover your ears. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no, no knowledge of that. So I can't. Yeah. That's great. Uh, but, uh, it would, you know, the, the way the pipeline works is there's what's called fetchers. Uh, after the first thing it does after it takes a specification is it, uh, it analyzes the key terms you've provided, and it does a little bit of clever stuff there, and then it looks at the title you've provided, and it, uh, you know, adds that to the key phrases. It sees if it can uh, extract some key phrases from the title. Um, in the future, there's no reason in principle why it can't take your customer data that you've provided by signing up uh, and say, oh, you know, Simon works for a company called Accession Events. I'll look for anything relating to accessions. By the way, the Crystal Palace is a wonderful idea for a book. <clears throat> um, I, I, you know, the Crystal Palace in 1851, Crystal Palace is sort of an accession event made into uh, crystal. Uh, Indeed, it is, yeah. Nine months yeah. it's going to build that building. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and the system will do uh, very well with that um, because uh, it, right now the proof of concept goes, just goes off and searches Wikipedia. So, you know, you put in terms, uh, it will go off and find everything about Wikipedia uh, in Wikipedia about that year. Um, Wikipedia has year entries for 1851 and date entries for 1851. So it can go out and find everything that happened on 3 January 1851 which will save you a lot of clicking. Uh, yeah. And, and, and could you, like, you talked about using Magenta as your, as your store of, uh, of data, which Wikipedia would be part of. But for example, if I was an organization and, um, you know, I'm a big economist, right? So the economist has got, if you're a subscriber, has got the most wonderful 
back catalogue of every single episode or issue ever published. And I believe they've got the whole thing now digitised. Not entirely certain. The Times of London would be another good example. Um, would it be possible to change the code or does it already cope with looking into you know, huge data sets like The Economist or like the Times of London or like, you know, let's keep it a bit more superficial, TMZ. And I want to know everything there is to know about the Cardassians. I'm just, I'm already having a heart attack even just saying those words, but let's pretend that I do. Is it going to be capable of doing that in a useful way? Yes, it is. And that's one of the brilliant things about uh, making it open source is that once it is, uh, once you download the software, you can uh, point it to at any you know, source of content you have, um, but simply by writing a fetcher, which is just an API call that you know, go out and it says, you know, take uh, these key terms uh, and go out and get con- whatever content you have and bring it back so we can analyze it. So absolutely, the economists could use this to. Uh, point at their content store and if anyone from the economists is listening as they should be since simon's uh, podcast is so excellent <laughs> um, you know go to page, go, go to the page kicker repository and get started um so uh, yeah that's one of the important things that uh, will be possible in the future um let me, I don't know if this is a good time, uh, but let me just uh, sort of run through the rest of the pipeline so that we sure. sure. the original question. So after it fetches the content, uh, it brings it to a staging area, um, it then analyzes it, and we run all sorts of text analytic tools on it. We summarize it. We create a word cloud. If it's a PDF document, I, there's a program I've written that goes through and extracts all the images from it and creates a visual montage of all the images that are uh, you know, sort of it's crudely relevance ranked, so it puts the most important images at the top left of the montage. <laughs> um, it runs all these little text analytics things. Then it then it takes a model of the structure of a book, uh, and it assembles everything into that model. And so one of the things you'll notice when you use the system is that by default, it creates books with a title page, copyright page, introduction written by the author, uh, Fred73. He, he thanks me and uh, you know uh, Linux and Linux Torvalds for helping him with this. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it, uh, and then it uh, puts the uh, content into just, as you say, right now it just concatenates it uh, because narrative is hard and cohesion is hard. <clears throat> and uh, then it adds back matter. And the reason it does that I put quite a lot of effort into making it look exactly like a book is that uh, that's what people told me they wanted. Uh, you know, I showed an early version of this to someone at Google Books, and uh, he had a really fascinating reaction. And I said, well, you know, he said, uh, I want this to be, uh, this doesn't look exactly like a book. And I said, well, what, would, what needs to be different? He said, well, it has to have a front matter and a back matter. And I said, but what about the middle of the book, the body? He said, well, I don't care that, about that much so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it just needs to look like a book. Uh, and I realized after I spoke that, you know, part of the reason for that probably was because he worked for the Google Play part of the Google. And, of course, they're a you know, distributor, basically. They want things like, you know, they put music in the music bin. They put uh, books in the book bin. 
One of the things that's interesting to me is you say about how it needs to look like a book, according to some of your audience. I suspect that's not an unreasonable model, right? One, people are already used to it. And secondly, we do have a habit, certainly most people, they've, they've proven this, most books, only about 6% of a book is actually read. And I suspect that's often true in something like a, a business book, for example, which is what sort of thing you would be more specialized in anyway. You're not writing love stories uh, with Page Kicker. There's that sense that they often come up with a, an idea at the beginning of the book and then use the rest of the book to come up with 75 examples to, quote, prove their position. Right? It doesn't prove their position. They just cherry pick the ones that uh, fulfill their particular criteria. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Seth Godin, I'm looking at you, right? I mean, that's what those books are for. Seth, to be fair, doesn't bother trying to, he comes up with an idea, gives you six examples, and then find, you find out the book's 84 pages long. It's not really a book. I feel it's a long magazine article. But anyway, and that's okay, right? Because often you don't, if you agree with the premise, you don't need to read all the examples. So maybe the same would be true for Page Kicker, that, that sure, it, it might produce a 100-page book, but if it's got the information you need in the first 10 pages, then that's fine, and you don't need to worry about the rest of it. That's right, and there's some things we can do that, uh, you know, fit well with that. Um, I love books. Uh, I'm a bibliophile. I'm an authorophile. Uh, I'm a publisher. You know, I love books. I love human editors and authors. Um Book represents, you know, 500, now 550 years plus of tremendous investment in user interface, uh, in, you know, every, elaborating every detail of what can make the elements of a book better. You know, there's a reason why there's a table of contents because over hundreds of years it was proven that table of contents help a lot. You know, there's a reason why interruptions occur because human beings like narrative, they like framing, they like you know, a personal connection with an author. Uh, so uh, all those things are there because they're important and you can leverage that by using the framework of the book. Uh, and, you know, you'll see if you download a sample book that we've taken some efforts to make the, to, to, to use those things to the advantage of the reader. Uh, the book, the algorithm can put a summary of the book right at the beginning. Um, and because the summary is written by a computer, it's objective. So if you think, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, that you've written a book about the tipping point, but you've actually, actually written a book about, oh, you know, social psychology, um, which might not be far from the truth, <laughs> cover your ears, um, uh, then you can, uh, you know, that's what the computer will represent. So it gives the reader an independent check uh, on what the uh, book is about. Uh, and uh, then after the book assembles the, you know, and the, the, the book will then assemble the content uh, according to a set of rules. Right now, the only set of rules that's implemented is the encyclopedia. It just puts the documents in A, a to Z order after throwing out the irrelevant, irrelevant ones or the ones that didn't get anything on. But as anybody in publishing knows, uh, you know, there's all sorts of uh, frameworks that uh, have been proven over the last 500 years. Uh, there's the uh, thesis with examples book. There's this popular science book that starts with anecdote literature reference, anecdote literature reference. Um, there are, um, there's the top 10 books. Uh, there's the BuzzFeed listicle book format. 
There's the thousand and one great tips on what to do when the accession occurs. There are, you know, and all those things can be plugged into the pipeline and uses alternative structures. And that's what I want to see happen. Uh, and then after it does all this, it uh, uses the conversion program. It turns the books into different formats. I found uh, that people really like having it in Microsoft Word format because then it's a raw material they can work with. Uh, and then it uh, creates a metadata entry, which is basically a CSV or XML file. It hands it off to the book catalog, which runs an import and puts it into its into its store database. Uh, so that's the pipeline. Um, a couple of things that are great about the pipeline is that you can loop over it, so you can give it one book and then give it another, and it'll you have a file, a little directory of ten book definitions, but loop over the directory and it'll build all ten books all at the same time. And you can feed information back and forth between the store catalog, which is user preferences, user purchase history, and the book creation process. So you can observe, oh, Malcolm has written read book. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Simon has read, uh, purchased a book about uh, Ian M. Banks, uh, the fabulous science fiction author. So I'll uh, recommend uh, to him that we build a book about uh, you know, five other science fiction authors. So out of interest, you've, um, you've obviously had hundreds of books created so far with uh, Page Kicker. Have you noticed how, you know, the human... Thread 73 interface must be pretty vital, right? If people put, you know, it's the old line of rubbish in, rubbish out. So is there, are you refining how people put their search terms in or making suggestions or have you come up with a plan for that yet or is it too early? Um, I have a plan for that. Uh, we haven't done much with it. Um, it's because, uh, you know, it's just a question of uh, one person who can always stretch so far. Um, there's a lot of well-known technologies, uh, you know, the suggestor or recommender things that you see when you type in search terms into Google, those would be helpful. You know, there are, uh, we, we have uh, plans for a social dimension to this. So you can create a book uh, and once you've created your book, you send it off to your mailing list of uh, you know, Simon's friends and you say, here, you know, add terms, subtract terms. Uh, so we make our combined book uh, better and better. Uh, and then iterate on that. Um, so there's all sorts of things, and you know, really it's just a question of getting the critical mass of users uh, and resources brought to bear. Um, mm. that, that's what we're doing now, and that's why you know, it's so great to have people go to the GitHub repository, uh, go to the PageKicker website, try it out, uh, and get involved. And so, you know, last thing for you is, um, where do you want this to be in five years? Where do you want it? What, have you got a vision? I do, uh, and I'm not sure, you know, this is just my intuitive vision of what works well for me. It might have to be something else to work well for the community or to work well as a company, but what I'd like to have is a thriving uh, community, you know, thousands of people building books, millions of books being built a year, uh, being rapidly adopted by all sorts of people I haven't seen, you know, thought of before. I'd like to have a company that has, you know, a lot of boffins, uh, that is, uh, you know, not a huge company, you know, maybe 20 to 50 people, you know, half of them machine language PhDs, half of them great programmers. Uh, and uh, I'd like to see, uh, you know, that's what I'd like to do with the rest of my life. Uh, I'm 55 years old, uh, which is fairly old for a solo founder. Um, 
and but that gives me 15 years to really uh, revolutionize publishing. Uh, I will retire at 70. Uh, so uh, that's what I'd like to see happen. I'd like to be uh, on the, I'd like to be, uh, you know, a third of the way on my journey and uh, uh, a percentage point of the way on the world's journey towards uh, that's quite a vision. But Fred, I wanted to thank you for this. I, I, I'm a big fan, right? From the first day that you contacted me and I went, oh no, I've just been, I'm just writing a book about accession events and I've been accessioned out of existence. I don't think that's true yet. And I doubt it ever will be. And of course I use the word ever in the most ridiculous form ever, because of course it may happen. But I, I think that you're on something very interesting. I think Page Kicker is potentially going to revolutionize the way books are created and i think there's a huge demand for it you know that no one's going to replace stephen king anytime soon but that's not the purpose the purpose to give someone a the ability to produce something that's useful particularly for reference material right. um, and for to instantly or very quickly bring someone up to speed on an, on an industry or a market or a concept I think Page Kicker is going to be fascinating. I can't encourage my my um, audience enough to get involved in the project. I mean, go and check it out and spread the word. And who knows, five years from now, we may well be uh, talking to you and finding out what hell's happened in the last five years. And I suspect this technology will end up becoming pervasive in the sense that people won't even notice. They'll They'll go to a site whether that's The Economist or The Times or TMZ or, or Samsung, and they'll ask a question of the site of, I want to know more about VR goggles, and it will produce them a reference material that's instant and up-to-date and constantly changing on that topic. And I think that's a very interesting way of living. It's a lot more fun than simply opening 75 uh, browser windows and looking at every wikipedia page uh, which of course is one of my major hobbies actually it stops me sleeping at the weekends oh oh there's another hyperlink oh there's another hyperlink so i think it's interesting and i wish you the best with it so fred thanks very much for getting involved in the show i will uh, make certain that anyone who wants to can get in touch with you we'll make certain all your links are on the page and uh thanks again oh thanks so much simon i wish i had longer to talk to Oh, fun as usual. Let's not make it five years. No, I meant five years for uh, five years to see huge success, not five years to have you back on the show. We'll have you back on the show before then. That's great. Thanks so much. Good man. Thanks, Fred. Bye bye.